Are you struggling with a teenager who has, mm, let's just say, a unique sense of fashion? When you say no to current fashion trends, are you being accused of being legalistic and controlling? Are you looking for ways to set standards that you believe are best without provoking anger in your teenager? Then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. So if you feel led to partner with us, please just go to gingerhubbard.com support to donate any amount. And thank you listeners for your support. This enables us to further our mission, which is to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. When our kids watch secular shows or read secular books, they'll often come across something that directly contradicts the Bible. And they'll ask a question like, is that true, mom? Did we come from apes? Is the earth billions of years old? Are there aliens on other planets? Our kids are growing up in a world that desperately needs the light of God's word. And it's increasingly more important to me that the resources I use to educate my kids are from a biblical worldview. This is why our family uses BJU Press. They offer trusted resources for homeschooling through video courses or parent-led instruction. Our family uses BJU Press video courses, and I love the fact that they are taught by knowledgeable and engaging experts in their fields. And what's really great about the video courses is that all three of our kids, including our first grader, can work independently and at their own pace. But if you would rather facilitate your child's homeschooling, if that's more your speed, BJU Press offers numerous resources so that you can manage the different learning styles of your child, know what your student is learning so you can influence instruction, and create a totally customized learning experience. BJU Press Homeschool offers resources to meet the educational needs of your family in a way that will equip your kids for a life of gospel impact. Just go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and get what you need to give your child a solid biblical education. Again, that's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Well, hey there, Ginger. I'm excited to talk about something we've actually never discussed on the show before. Tattoos, nose rings, and funky colored hair. (laughs) I've only done one of those things, but we'll talk more about that in a little bit. (laughs) But first, let's start with today's question. Becca in Ohio writes this. Our 14-year-old daughter is angry with me because I won't allow her to get a nose ring. She says I'm being controlling and legalistic. How can I set the standards I believe are best for her without her getting angry? Well, Becca, one thing that might help with her anger is the way you approach talking with her about it. She's about the age where allowing her to make some decisions for herself is wise, especially when those decisions are ones that are morally neutral. But the question is, is having a nose ring a sin issue or is it more a matter of personal conviction or even personal preference? It all boils down to the motive of the heart. In other words, what's her reason for wanting a nose ring. Is it because she's seeking to fit in with a certain group of peers? Is she trying to win the approval of others by how she looks? 
is she wanting a nose ring because uh, maybe she thinks it's going to give her some form of identity. Instead of just putting your foot down and saying no, it might be helpful to have a conversation with her and ask a few questions. Not in an accusatory way, but in a way that says, I care about your feelings and your opinions, so I really want to understand your reasons for wanting a nose ring. The goal is to have conversations that will help her evaluate her own heart motives without putting her on the defense. One way to do that is by asking her questions in a gentle way and showing genuine interest and respect for her thoughts and feelings before you share yours. And I think that's a good rule of thumb with our kids, especially teenagers, that we should seek first to understand them and then to be understood. I think so too, Katie. That's a great rule of thumb. Her answers might reveal that she is seeking to find her identity and outward appearance, which would give you, mom, a wonderful opportunity to talk about finding her identity in Christ and the unique person God created her to be. And if you do find that to be the case, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 is a great passage for explaining why her internal character is so much more important than her outward appearance. Those verses say, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Or Becca, it could be their answers help you determine that finding her identity and outward appearance uh, and the approval of others isn't her motive at all for wanting a nose ring, and that it is just a matter of personal preference or taste. It is possible that she just likes the way nose rings look. Now, I don't get that, but I don't get a lot about the fashion (laughs) styles of our teenagers today. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that you should let your 14-year-old get a nose ring. But what I am saying is that getting to the heart of why she wants one might evoke some really wonderful spiritual conversations. So as parents, we don't want to miss out on those opportunities by shutting them down with a quick answer before we listen. And, you know, during that conversation, I would be prepared to answer questions like, when did you get your ears pierced, um, if, <laughs> if your ears are pierced? And how is that different to pierce your ears rather than your tongue or your nose or your belly button? These are fair questions, and they will require thoughtful answers rather than mom just saying something like, this isn't about me, which <laughs> is what I might be tempted to say. But consider whether or not it's legalistic or inconsistent to allow a child to have some body piercings but not others. I can't really answer that, but it is a good question to ask ourselves before we get into these conversations with our kids. Yeah, that's true, Katie. And Becca, it could be that you feel the same way about it I do. So as Katie just mentioned, I also encourage you to ask yourself some heart-probing questions. Could it be that your daughter having a nose ring would be embarrassing to you because you don't like the way they look or what you think they represent? Are you worried about what others would think about your daughter or concerned about her how, how her having a nose ring might reflect on you as a mom? I've had to ask myself these same sort of questions, and I've been convicted by taking a really honest look at my own heart motives. Now, granted, your daughter is 14, and I know you want to make decisions that you believe are in her best interest, and forgetting forbidding her to get a nose ring might be what's best for. But without knowing her heart motives for wanting one and your heart motives for not allowing her to have one, it's hard for me to offer a concrete answer or counsel. But I can give you a couple of examples from my own experience with my daughter, Alex. When she was 14, she wanted to dye her hair with pink and blue streaks. Now, she wasn't being rebellious. She just thought, 
it looked cool. Now, I didn't think it looked cool at all. I thought it looked ridiculous, and I thought she looked so much better with her natural hair color without funky colored streaks. But after having a conversation with her about it, I knew that it was not a sin issue for her. She wasn't being defiant. She was being 14. Well, and I think that's important to emphasize here that a 14-year-old is going to test the limits. It's completely natural for them to want to have the freedom to express themselves in ways that are possibly different from their parents. And many of them will want to do so simply because it's different from what their parents would do. I very much dislike the idea of my little girl getting a nose ring, but I do suppose we have to ask ourselves a few things. Number one, like Ginger said, is their desire for this change a sin issue? Number two, is this a permanent change that is unable to be undone? If not, is this a hill you're willing to die on with your teenager? Personally, I am willing to die on the hill of permanent changes with my kids. And I say that as a person who has two tattoos. I'm not willing to allow a child whose brain is still developing to make any permanent changes to or mutilate their bodies. So let's tackle that issue next, Ginger. What are your thoughts on tattoos? Well, I've had quite a few parents ask me that same question, Katie. Uh, The good thing about hair color and nose rings is they aren't permanent, which is why I struggled a lot more when Alex wanted to get a tattoo at age 15. If your teenager comes to you saying they want a tattoo, my first piece of advice is don't overreact. Don't do what I did and start hyperventilating. (laughs) Take a deep breath and don't answer right away. Just calmly say something like, okay, let me have a little time to consider that and then we'll talk about it. Then go into your closet and breathe into a paper bag. (laughs) Once I calmed down, though, and talked to Alex, once again, like with her pink and blue hair streaks, it became apparent that her wanting a tattoo was not an act of rebellion or to uh, attract the wrong kind of attention. It was a tattoo design that meant something to her, but I still felt like 15 was too young for her to make a decision that she would have to live with for the rest of her life, and I didn't want her to wind up uh, it being a decision that she regretted later. Becca, I assume you don't like nose rings, which is probably why you sent in the question. I personally don't like tattoos at all. And usually when I'm talking with the parents who are freaking out because their teens want one, one of the first things out of their mouths is all the reasons why they personally don't like tattoos. And I always stand there nodding my head because it's the same reasons why I don't like them. I don't see beautiful, meaningful artwork. I see skin pollution. That's what I call it. But in all fairness, when Alex told me she wanted one, I had to ask myself, is this a sin issue or just a matter of personal preference and taste? Now, before you tune me out, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that I did not allow Alex to get a tattoo at 15. But I'm hoping that you, Becca, and others who are facing the same sort of challenges with your teenagers might find some encouragement in the way the issue was settled with my daughter in a way that did not make her angry. I didn't just put my foot down and say no before I listened to her. Once I got over the shock, and believe me when I tell you, it took a minute or maybe a month, but by the grace of God, I approached it without blowing a gasket or passing out or crying or throwing an adult tantrum. I really did not want her to get a tattoo. But it meant a lot to her that I was willing to listen before I gave an answer. And again, by God's grace, he brought wise words from Proverbs 18, 13 to mind, which says, He who answers before listening, that is his folly 
and shame. Now, I'll go ahead and admit that there were many times I rolled around in that folly and shame because I did not listen first. But thankfully, on this particular occasion, I got it right, which God used to bring about a settlement that we could both live with without stirring anger in Alex's heart. Once I was over the hyperventilating part, I asked Alex questions to help her evaluate her own motives. I listened to her reasons and I respected her opinion, which softened her heart to listen and respect mine. In the end, I listened to her heart and she listened to mine and we still did not agree. And so I said, you know, Alex, I understand your reasons for wanting a tattoo and I respect that you believe it's the right decision and I'm not saying no. But because I don't want you to make a decision at 15 that you might regret later in life, I'm just asking you to pray about it. I want you to pray about it for two years, and if you still feel this strongly about it, I'll support your decision. I even went so far as to buy her a temporary tattoo of the design she wanted so that she could experience what it would be like to have one. Now, secretly, I was hoping she'd get tired of it and change her mind, but she didn't. (laughs) Two years later, she still felt just as strongly about the same design, and she had spent a good amount of time researching tattoo artists and their work. I have to say, I personally still didn't like it, but I was way more comfortable supporting her decision because I was confident that after praying about it for two years and researching, it wasn't a rash decision made with a wrong motive. So, Becca, maybe that same sort of approach would be helpful with your daughter wanting a nose ring. And if you're comfortable with it, maybe allow her to wear a fake one for a certain amount of time and come to an agreement on when and where she can wear it. I actually uh, searched on Amazon right before we recorded, and I found some fake nose rings. I thought about having Heather put a link in our show notes, but then I thought, nah. (laughs) Anyway, Becca, if you're willing to let her give it a try without it being permanent, uh, of course, with a secret hope that she might not like it after all or get tired of it, you might just say something like, sweetie, I understand and respect that our tastes are different, but I would just hate to see you go through the pain of getting your nose pierced and the possible infection you might get from it. And just so you know, they are prone to infections because... Well, the wound is surrounded by nasty boogers. Oh, gross. Thank you for that. (laughs) Anytime. (laughs) Honestly, though, infection really is something to be concerned about with both piercings and tattoos. What I didn't consider when I got my tattoos is the toxicity of the ink that I had permanently injected into my body. I've always been really careful about what I eat and what groceries I buy. I mean, I stay away from pesticides in our food as best I can. But then I went and had ink which has been known to contain bacteria and carcinogens into my bloodstream, which just goes to show that even 20-somethings don't always make logical decisions about their bodies. And our opinions on these things can certainly change with the passing decades and as we have children of our own. Thankfully, I waited until I was married to permanently mark my body, but that doesn't mean I don't wish that I had made a different choice. So I believe the longer we can put off these kinds of permanent decisions with our kids, the better. Mm, I agree 100%, Katie. Becca, you could also explain that it does take consistent effort and care to keep them from getting infected. And if you can't scare her off with infection risk, you might try this. Honey, I think it would be wise to start out with a fake ring to make sure you really like it before you make the decision to get a permanent one. And I really hope you don't get startled by something and inhale through your nose too sharply because it might get lodged in your throat and you might choke to death. (laughs) Oh, No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't say that. But I don't know. Think about it. There's nothing wrong with throwing out a few scare tactics when you're desperate. (laughs) 
if she's <gasps> dead set on getting one, I do encourage you to go ahead and decide what age you would be comfortable respecting and supporting her decision and go ahead and tell her that. Also, I just thought about this. Don't jump the gun and launch into a deep discussion about it if they've only flippantly mentioned wanting a piercing or a tattoo. It may not be as pressing to them as you might think, and if you start initiating conversations about it, it could wind up causing them to consider it more than they actually are. So stay cool about it and let flippant comments slide and wait to see if they continue to bring it up. If after a few weeks or months, it's still heavy on their mind, then that would be a time to start talking about it. So maybe just keep it at a, uh, you know, a, uh, that's interesting. And then just see where it goes. Hmm. That's a good point. This could be a fleeting fancy and we don't want to jump straight to a defensive posture because as you said, Ginger, the fact that we consider it such a forbidden thing could make it more enticing to them. I just read Proverbs 9 this morning, and so I immediately thought about this verse, Proverbs nine seventeen. Here's what it says. Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Mm -hmm. In my Bible footnotes, it says this. There is a perversity in human nature that is stirred up by prohibition and the law. Mm, yep. That's one of the reasons alcoholism was huge was a huge problem during the alcohol prohibition in the 1920s. That's right. And I think that's the danger of legalism. Not that all rules or standards are legalistic, but we can actually stir up defiance in our children when we prohibit that which the Bible does not. There's room for personal conviction, but many of us go far beyond that if we're being honest with ourselves. This is why godly parenting requires so much wisdom and humility. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of humility, I have a quick funny story about one of my tattoos. I lived in the United Kingdom for many years, so I had, and I still have, a soft spot in my heart for the British people and their culture. So as you do, I decided to honor those people by getting the Union Jack flag tattooed in an inconspicuous area of my body. <laughs> I can think of no better way to honor these good people. <laughs> Please hear my sarcasm here. Anyway, I had to go to a neurosurgeon a few years ago to have my nerves tested in my hip. I was just having some pain after having my last child, so we were just making sure everything was still intact. And as I was on a table in the fetal position, facing away from the neurosurgeon, I was nude from the waist down. So I'm about as vulnerable as one can get while this dude is repeatedly jabbing my hip and my leg with a needle. And yes, I recognize the irony of the situation since that is exactly what a <laughs> tattoo artist did to me. But anyway, the neurosurgeon sees my tattoo and he says, so are you British? And what I said to him was, no, I'm not. I just decided to get this tattoo in my 20s, not thinking I'd have to explain it to a doctor while I'm buck naked in my 30s. <laughs> just, and then we laughed and laughed about it. Not really. It was really quiet after that. I said nothing else. That is hilarious. Oh, that's so funny. All right. So I don't want to skip over the fact that some of you listening might believe that getting a tattoo is a sin based on Leviticus 19.28, which says, do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. That's the same verse used to support that piercings are sinful. The book of Leviticus has over 600 commands, but we have to consider that while some Old Testament laws are timeless and apply to all generations because they're based on moral absolutes, such as do not steal, do not murder, do not commit adultery, there are other Old Testament laws that were civil and cultural in nature, such as laws about slavery and dietary restrictions. 
We also have to consider the context of why the law was given in the first place. The reason God commanded the people of that time to not get tattoos and piercings was because pagan tribes used those practices as a means to worship their gods and deities. God did not forbid people from getting tattoos and piercings because of the act itself, but because they represented an idolatrous heart. Most people today are not getting tattoos as a form of worship to pagan gods. We also have to be careful that we aren't stereotyping people by the fashion choices they make. Now, I realize that there are some tatted up folks with excessive piercings that do (laughs) seem to be trying to make a statement that's contrary to the godly character we're encouraged to have in Scripture. But even if 90% of people do have wrong motives, we can't lump in the other 10% that don't. It's all about the heart. Now, again, I personally don't like tattoos. I think they're ugly and take away from the natural beauty of the skin God has given us. But had I told my daughter she couldn't get a tattoo because it's a sin based on Old Testament law, I would have been a complete hypocrite because I have pierced ears and wear makeup, which, by the way, during one stretch of biblical history, was associated with prostitution. I also enjoy a good slab of ribs from time to time. (laughs) And had I told Alex she couldn't get a tattoo because I personally don't like them, that wouldn't be considerate or respectful of her personal opinion and preference. Even though we as parents are passionately opposed to some of the fashion choices of our teenagers, we should consider that some of these generational preferences and tastes that differ from ours aren't necessarily sin issues. So we have to ask ourselves, what is sin and what is our personal preference or opinion? Then, regarding choices that aren't sinful, we have to be discerning about what age we believe our teenagers are old enough and, more importantly, mature enough to make decisions for themselves. And, you know, I can't tell you that age. That's something you have to pray about and ask the Lord for wisdom. The maturity level of your teenager should definitely play a part in that decision. Are they making wise or poor choices at this particular time in their lives? Are they being responsible with other decisions? Or do they seem to be in a stage of life where they're being driven by sinful desires and impulses? Well, I think that rule applies to younger kids as well. So my husband and I have pretty tight reins on our kids. So we do try to find those opportunities when we can give them a bit of control. So we give our kids almost complete control of their hair. We offer guidance and show them what a mullet actually looks like and then pray they don't choose that style for themselves. (laughs) That was actually the case with our seven-year-old. He saw a picture and said, oh, never mind. And I breathed a big sigh of relief. (laughs) But we have decided to let them enjoy their wonderful hair while they still have it because they probably won't have it for very long if genetics is any indication. (laughs) Now, we do have some limits regarding their physical appearance. We require them to wear what we call decent clothing to church. Mm -hmm. In other words, actual pants and not exercise clothes, but we do let them pick out clothes that they like within certain boundaries. And I think that's the key, just giving our kids wider and wider boundaries as they mature and allowing them to make decisions within those boundaries. I'm sure we're not doing it perfectly well, and I can see some areas where we really need to loosen up, especially with our oldest child, JJ. Oh, oh, speaking of our oldest, I was talking to all of our kids in the car about this episode, and I was actually seeking their opinions on how we could encourage Becca who wrote in with this question. Now, JJ is 12 and he's right on the cusp of this phase of life. So I was really interested to hear his thoughts. And he said, I think this mom 
maybe could tell her daughter to wait until she's a bit older, so 16 or so, to make that decision. She might not even still want it when she's that age. And if she does, then it's her decision. And I just loved hearing his Mm -hmm. thoughts on that. Now, my youngest really fixated on the tattoo part of our discussion, and he said, Ginger, you're going to love this. This is what Grayson said. I'm with Miss Ginger. I hate all tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that Grayson. And I know that's not what you said, but he has uh, my flair for the dramatic, Mm -hmm. this little kid. (laughs) But I said to him, do you hate my tattoos? And then he started whistling like he didn't hear me. So it was funny. (laughs) But I just love having that discussion with my kids now because it shows that they're willing to think through these things and see them from another point of view, from the parent's point of view. And it shows them that I'm willing to do the same as well. So I guess that's my advice for parents who are on the cusp of this phase with their kids. Start having these conversations now with your kids. Ask them what seems reasonable to them. Nose rings, purple hair, permanent tattoos, how would they handle something like this if they were the parent? I I also freely discuss with my kids why I don't really care for my tattoos now and how I wish I had made a different decision. But I do let them know that I am very happy with my decision to put both of them in inconspicuous areas of my body. (laughs) So check in with me in about 15 years. All three of mine will likely have tattoos on their rear ends. That's probably what's going to happen. Maybe not. It's so interesting how siblings can be raised in the same home by the same parents and be so different. Wesley Mm -hmm. has never even considered getting a tattoo or a piercing, but Alex, she was determined. All right, so we've talked about several ideas for parents. So I think it might be helpful just to give a quick recap of some of the tips we've discussed. If your teenager comes to you and wants a piercing or a tattoo or pink and blue streaks in her hair, here are a few things you can do to handle it well. Don't overreact. Calmly tell them you need a little more time before you discuss it with them and be aware that it could just be a fleeting thought for them. Ask yourself why you feel the way you do about it and pray about it. Once you're all prayed up and calm, ask the questions we talked about earlier to help them evaluate their own heart motives. Respect their opinion, even if you don't agree with them. Discuss the reasons for your concerns, which might include health risks, age, future employment, and maturity level. Ask them to pray that God would give you peace about it if it's his will. That's actually a bonus, Katie. I don't think we talked about that. And then finally, show respect for their opinion by letting them know at what age you would be willing to support their decision. And we'll have Heather put uh, this recap in the show notes. The bottom line is that God is concerned with our hearts, not with outward appearance, which is why Jesus gave what he called the first and greatest commandment in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so I think we have time for one more quick question, Katie. Uh, What do we have? Okay, well, we have one from Renata in Wisconsin who writes this. Hello, Ginger and team. I love your podcast and often listen to it while getting ready for bed, exhausted and contemplating how I could have done parenting a bit better or differently. Thank you for all the biblical ideas. I so appreciate your time and effort in disciplining a generation of parents to teach their kids the Bible and godly character. I'm writing, however, to inquire about a list of children's books that teach little kids, girls specifically, biblical characters so that we don't have to read the garbage in our library. Mm -hmm. I can identify Mm -hmm. with that. I loved the book recommendations that Ginger offered over Christmas. We got most of them, and it's exactly what I want to order from the library every month. 
I've searched for book recommendation lists, but they seem to fall short as I'm looking for strong messages of biblical character, teaching my little four-and-a-half-year-old through intriguing writing and picture books. She loves chapter books and will sit for long periods of time as I read to her. If you have any suggested book lists in this regard, I would greatly appreciate that. I'm open to book lists for slightly older girls as well. Mm, Renata, thank you so much for your kind words about the show. We are so glad that you're being encouraged. And you're right about many of our libraries today— one walk down the aisle, scanning all the garbage, begs the question, where have all the good books gone? Katie, mm-hmm. you're really the book expert for kids. So what do you recommend specifically for girls? Well, the first one that came to mind is a book series called Light Keepers that has short chapter books featuring godly women and girls. And they also have them for boys. Our family has the box set called 10 Girls Who Changed the World. But I recently saw that they have come out with others. So we'll have Heather put a link to those. Uh, in our show notes. And I love to hear that you read aloud to your daughter. What a precious time for you both. I also highly recommend, if you're not already listening to it, um, Sarah McKenzie's podcast called Read Aloud Revival. She has tons of great book lists for children of all ages on her website. And she has many of those listed by topic. She and her team are very meticulous about the books they recommend. So I always trust her lists. And I also found one other resource recently. It's a website called Redeemed Reader, and we will have Heather put a link to that website as well in the show notes. And Renata, I know you were asking specifically about good character building books for girls, but another great series for boys and girls, and I know we've mentioned this on the show before, is Heroes of History and Christian Heroes Then and Now. Mm-hmm. Those books recount true stories about men and women of, that God has used to change the world. And I just love those books. I'm reading a new one right now about Ben Carson, which is excellent. They, too, are short chapter books, great for reading to younger children. Or my kids enjoyed reading several of them as school assignments and writing book reports about them. Well, actually, let me let me make a correction there. They they weren't too thrilled about writing the book reports, but they did enjoy the stories. I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say nobody likes writing book no, reports. Come no, on, but they love the stories that they read in, in, in those book series. Well, I've read several of these books to my kids, and they are obsessed. You can also get audio book versions, which is great. Mm-hmm. Also, Kim Sorges at Not Consume Ministries has developed a beautiful, easy-to-use curriculum called To Every Nation to go along with the Christian Heroes Then and Now series that I highly recommend. And again, we'll put a link in the notes for that. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Christy in Colorado, and she says this. This has been a game changer for me. Instead of scrubbing with various cleaners in the microwave to get all that gross stuck on food cleaned out, simply heat up water in a measuring cup or microwave safe dish for six to eight minutes and wipe the microwave out. Even the toughest food comes off easily with just a quick wipe. No more scrubbing involved. I really needed this tip when I was working in corporate America because I don't think there's anything more disgusting on this earth than a communal microwave. (laughs) And I don't think that there's anyone more in denial than a person using a communal microwave. Everyone just leaves their food all uncovered and pretends like that chili explosion didn't happen. (laughs) It's maddening to me. So Christy, thank you so much for this tip. Hopefully it helps a lot of people. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. 
Well, Ginger, I do hope this episode was helpful to our listeners who are in every phase of parenting from the toddler years on through to adulthood. I think the point we've tried to make throughout this episode is that we need to keep the long view in mind when it comes to our children, not to fixate on temporal things, but to consider all of our parenting decisions in light of eternity. So Ginger, can you please leave us with a final word of encouragement? Mm, Well, Katie, what you just said is key. Instead of being so fixated on temporal things, let's pray for God to help us keep an eternal perspective as we navigate the parental challenges of the teenage years. Asking ourselves questions such as, how will this decision affect my kids in light of eternity? That helps us keep Jesus at the center of our thinking. And when we're faced with differences of opinions and preferences that are not sin issues with our teenagers, let's follow the example of our Lord in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, which says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Thank you so much, Ginger, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This truly, truly helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering Ginger's Wise Words for Moms chart bundle deal at a 10% discount. So it's a buy three, get a fourth chart free deal for only $15. And if you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com, you can get an additional 10% off this already great deal. The Wise Words for Moms chart is a great gift for a baby shower or a baby dedication, or if you just really like to bless your mom friends who are also wanting to reach the hearts of their children. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a Corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a Corner. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.